This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Saints failed to score in the Premier League for the third game in a row and the wait for a win goes on. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. This is Martin Stark and each week I'm joined by our carefully assembled panel to reflect on all things Southampton Football Club. Coming up this week, reaction to the Wolves game, a look back at the Carabao Cup win in midweek and we look ahead to the huge challenge of trying to pick up three points at Stamford Bridge. Plus a new sponsor for the training kit, is that something that we should be concerned with as fans? As always, a big welcome to our regular residence, owner of Saints Web, Steve Grant. How's your week been, Steve? Um, yeah, it's been been quite busy. Uh, obviously, had the trip up to Sheffield on Tuesday. I think I got got home about quarter past half past one, so that was uh, that was actually a, a decent uh, decent journey back. No uh, no M one closures for once, which was uh, an absolute bonus. Always a bonus within the away yes. game midweek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, less less fun getting home this evening after um, after that. Um, yeah, nonsense that we've just witnessed. Yeah, fun diversions via Haven and Guildford, and yeah, just a uh, horrendous train journey. Also with us is writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, Glenn Delacour. Day of two halves for you, Glenn. Yeah, yeah, the lads' team won this morning six one, so that was good, and it was especially good because I was out last night. I don't go out often, certainly in town, but um, yeah, I, I was never one for drinking that much, but um, I over, overdid it. Someone, someone shoved a Jaeger bomb in front of me and said, "Drink that." I thought, "Oh yeah, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a good idea." You know, I just thought I was a teenager for a couple of seconds, but um, no, not good. So yeah, I was pleased pleased with the uh, the game this morning um, and the afternoon. I was feeling tired by the afternoon, a bit tired and emotional with um, with drinking too much. And um, this afternoon's fare didn't exactly um, help matters. That's true. Also joining us, as always, is the Athletics dedicated Saints reporter, Dan Sheldon. How was your day, Dan? Yeah, busy, busy. Um, I mean, obviously, this, this morning wasn't overly busy, but this afternoon into this evening was, was hectic and kind of rounds off a, a manic week of going up to Manchester, then up to Sheffield on Tuesday, then stayed overnight, then had to be in London first thing Wednesday. Yeah, so yeah, busy week, busy day. Um, that next international break is in sight. 
Don't worry. Yeah, it is. And I'm working. So, <laughs> uh, As always, the biggest hello and thank you goes to our patrons, wherever you might be listening this week. Welcome to episode 169 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Now, before we get on to the Wolves game, gents, a moment to appreciate uh, when this happened during the week. The Total Saints podcast follows what Premier League team? Olivia. Southampton. Correct. The Total Saints pod featuring on Tea Time TV with Bradley Walsh. Uh, spoiler alert, the team went on to win £29,000. And I'd like to think we can take some credit for that. Uh, so, Steve and Glenn, when you did that first pod all those years ago, did you ever think that we'd end up as a question on the TV quiz show? Uh, certainly not for a positive thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh no not not at all it was um it was a bit of a surreal moment seeing that i have to say um i, I think it was um, a guy called simon richards who found it on uh managed to sort of clip it onto twitter and uh yeah it was quite amusing seeing that and uh yeah it's uh it's quite a cool thing and uh yeah good a good uh a good thing for the to have the pod recognised in such a way. Are we are we going to add, are we going to add this to our um, to our strapline as featured on ITV's The Chase <laughs> with Bradley Walsh? <laughs> well, no, leave that bit off. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about him. I mean, you know, maybe maybe Olivia wants to come on and throw us a few quid. Who knows? Well, so Olivia, who got the question right, it was either an educated guess, which I suspect is the case, or she's an avid listener. So I'd like to think that maybe she's <laughs> listening. In which case, hello to Olivia and uh, congratulations on your big win. Now, a great opportunity to pick up that first win of the season. And the truth is, we never came close. A 1-0 home defeat to Wolves today. A frustrating game all round. What frustrated you the most today, Glenn? Uh, All of it. It was a miserable, depressing, spirit-crushing, mind-numbing performance. And you can look up any of those words in a thesaurus. And um, yeah, there'll be similar words that describe quite how bad that was. Any optimism that I had as a result of the you know decent points against West Ham and Man City was was kind of crushed and it made me realize that this is going to be a long old season Wolves poor side I thought they were as poor as us to be honest but they won because we messed up defensively and they didn't and it, and it, it was just just awful but the the lack of attacking idea the you know the the lack of a plan to get forward the um, and and the the fact it wasn't addressed throughout the game it, it was just it was just dreadful from start to finish we never looked like scoring I mean Wolves wasted a load of time in the second half but I couldn't even be bothered to get annoyed about it because it, it wouldn't have mattered if the game had still been going now we still wouldn't have scored it was it was just a depressing afternoon. The irony that Wolves were moaning about time-wasting last weekend, and then they seem to be the masters of it today. What was your take on the whole sorry state of affairs, Steve? Yeah, it was pretty dull, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was a game that had nil-nil written all over it, and yet somehow we've still conceded one. I mean, I, I guess there's kind of a sort of feel-good story for the neutral that Raul Jimenez has finally got back on the score sheet after his horrible injury and stuff. But why does this crap always happen to us? Why are we always on the on the end of it? Um, I mean, he's he's done he's done well to score from from the position where he eventually got the ball. But good lord, what the hell? What the hell was Bednarek doing? I mean, he's had probably two two efforts to kind of wrestle him. Hasn't got anywhere near him on either of them, and then ends up on his backside twice. It's just 
just horrendous. It's just really weak, isn't it? Weak yeah. defending. And yeah. I mean, it was, I guess that is kind of the situation where you kind of look at and think, okay, now I see why Jack Stevens was was preferred right at the start of the season. And maybe maybe that's kind of been a bit of a trend that we've that we've not really noticed over over 18 months or so where actually maybe he's been the weak weak link at the back and we kind of, and it had kind of gone unsaid because everyone everyone had kind of there's there's always a perception of of certain players that have a certain role in the team and Bednarek's always been seen as the enforcer because he's a big strong polish guy and and I mean delve into all your all your kind of national stereotypes and 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 everything like that but actually when you think about it he's when you when you kind of look back at the look back at the tapes he's kind of weak and and does get does get found found in these situations where he does get the brush off quite a lot from opposition strikers and not and not even necessarily the stronger ones. I mean, Jimenez is a bit is a big, good, strong centre forward, but there have been there have been weaker strikers than him that have that have brushed him off in the past. And yeah, that's that's a that's a worry now with Stevens out for probably th- best part of three months. And Lianco, I mean, I'm not quite sure what he is at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> after yeah. after Tuesday, I mean, that, that was that was that was that was an extraordinary debut, wasn't it? I mean, I I think he, I, I think there are there are attributes there, but um, give it, we're going to need to give it time, and I don't think he's going to have time if uh, if Bednarek's going to be putting performances in like that um, on a regular basis. It was such a positive performance last weekend, Dan. What went wrong? today what went wrong this week what what did you make of it you know i just thought in in terms of the week as a whole i thought they, they've regressed massively i thought i wasn't that impressed by how they got on at sheffield united um regardless of the changes they made sheffield united made 11 changes so that's how seriously that they took that game and southampton still needed penalties to, to beat them and today was just kind of what, what we've seen in in games gone past where they get to the edge of the box. I think they had 18 shots today, which is more than they've had at any other home game this season. I think they had eight against Man United, 11 against West Ham, and they've had 18 today, but they could have had 80 today and they wouldn't have scored. They were just miles off it. Every, I think, Livermento, I thought, uh, or Salas, I'm going to single out, Livermento always gets singled out. I thought Salas, who had a good game, uh, I, thought, I was actually quite impressed by him. Everyone else was just just miles off it. Prowsey, miles off it. Um, Romeo miles off it. Walker Peters, he's not a left back. He's good, but he's not a left back. And and Bednarek, I mean, it it was actually embarrassing watching that. I think I asked Ralph about it after the game for him to kind of sum up what he thought about Bednarek's defending in that moment. Because to me, as Steve mentioned, there were two times, maybe three times, and each time he ended up on the floor. I think in that situation, you just grab onto him and make sure he doesn't run, bring him down, take the book in, whatever, just make sure he can't run away. And yeah, it was just shocking. It just kind of summed up Southampton, didn't it? That's the kind of goal that this Southampton side concedes. And I, I, yeah, I thought today just posed more questions than, than anything, to be honest. I mean, again, and look, I don't mean any disrespect to Shane Long, but... You're bringing, you're bringing Shane Long Glenn on. Glenn does. You're, you're, you're oh, bringing, Glenn you're bringing, means plenty of disrespect to Shane Long. You're bringing uh, Shane Long on to win you a match. And that, yeah. to me, is probably all you need to say about today. Well, let's talk about the front too. Let's talk about Adam Armstrong and Che Adams. Uh, I think it's one goal between them so far this season. It, it, to me, it just seemed like a couple of championship strikers today. Uh, is that where we start, Glenn? Do we start at the front and work back? As a partnership, neither of them is particularly going to create a goal for themselves out of nothing. 
you know, I mean, I don't really want to talk about Danny Ings, but he used to be able to do that, and he used to be able to do. You know, had a little, he had a little bit of magic about him at times to to find that extra that yard of space or or do something really creative for someone else to score. I don't see that with these two, but they are the type of strikers that need service. And we've given a bit of praise in re- recently to the likes of Elianusi, Redmond, Jenepo for their sort of discipline in games against Man City and against West Ham. At the end of the day, you earn your money as a winger playing for Saints. Can you unlock a defence when it's you know an average team like Wolves that just 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 sit deep and and just try and smother it? Those three players I mentioned, Elianusi, Redmond, Jenepo, they're, they're not good enough. They're just, they're just not. They're not, they're not creative. They're not given anything. The, the, the biggest example today was there was a chance for Redmond just to lob the ball over the defender, and Armstrong had half the pitch to run into basically, and it would have been a shot at the goalkeeper. But Redmond overhits it, you know, and not just by a little bit, and it just runs through to the goalkeeper. And you just think that was not a difficult ball to play, you know, and it would have. It should have led to a, you know, it should have led to a goal or at least a shot on goal from close in, but it just went through to the goalkeeper and and it, and it's just, you know, Elianusi does some nice things, but there, there's there's no doesn't seem to be much end product there. Gineppo is all is all flying feet and everything, but how many how many crosses does he put on someone's head? And and it just without Stuart Armstrong, we're we're desperate in terms of linking up with the strikers. So. I'd say the strikers haven't, you know, they, they haven't really been given much opportunity. If you're playing up front for a team that's not giving you much of the ball in, in decent areas, you're always going to struggle. And the, the, and the other question, I mean, we, we touched on Shane Long. I can't really be bothered to talk about Shane Long. But Nathan Teller, where is he? Yeah, that's what where I was going to mention. Yeah, because he was at Sheffield. He was, for me, I don't know if Steve would agree or not, but Nathan Teller and Diallo stood out for me. On, on Tuesday, I thought they were the best two players on the pitch. I thought Nathan Redmond. I mean, I, I'm always conscious with Redmond because I, I think he does some things well and other things not. And I often fear that you know it tends to be a pylon where he's concerned. But yeah, he I was agree. so poor against Sheffield, so poor. And well, he got yeah, hooked he, at half time, and he did. And we and we had to bring War Prowse on when presumably yeah. the idea was that Prowse has the night off. Exactly. And you think, well, what more could Nathan Teller have done against Sheffield United? And what more could Redmond not have done? Yet we're still in a situation where Nathan Teller is on the bench against against Wolves, and I just I was really surprised by that team selection. To be honest, it what what kind of message does that send to someone like? I mean, Diallo, it's a bit more difficult because he's not going to really drop Prousey and Romeo. You're probably not going to drop him, but Teller, I think what what more can Teller do? He set up a goal, looked lively the whole night until he was taken off against Sheffield. So for me, I was surprised and Glenn's already gone through the wingers. And when I spoke to Ralph after the game and talking about Ralph brought up the fact that it's three games without a goal, I said, well, how, you know, talking about your strikers. And he said, it's not just them, it is the tens as well. And, and that's that's true. So it's going to be fascinating how they try and get over that problem. But I just don't know what more someone else like Teller could possibly do. And even in midfield, I was speaking to someone after the game and they were saying, Southampton, you know, they, they use Ross Barkley as an example, but not as a player who Southampton should sign. But they haven't got that kind of midfielder that will pick the ball up and just run and charge forward. They haven't got that. And that's not really in Prowse's game. It's not really in Oriel Romeo's game. Against Sheffield, and again, Steve will correct me if I'm wrong, Diallo did a bit of that, I thought. He did carry the ball forward. I mean, he had quite a few shots in the first half, second half. 
just look really lively. I just I just wonder what what messages it sends to these players that they play well and players who don't play well are still picked ahead of them. Well, given given that we've also now got a deeper squad of players that theoretically we believe are good enough to play in the first team, it should be a case that if someone's having, I mean, maybe you don't necessarily drop someone after one bad game, but if there's a pattern developing and they're clearly out of nick, then you take them out of the firing line and we have someone who can come in who is of a comparable standard now. Yeah. Um, and yet that's that appears to not be happening. No, and Nathan Teller is not any worse than any of the number 10s that no. played this no, season. Not. He's not any worse than If the team's else. winning, you can always go to Nathan Teller and say, well, That's, we're, win- yeah, we're yeah, winning yeah, without exactly, you. Yeah, but yeah, the team exactly. is not winning. It's not creating. It's not doing much. But I mean, and the, and the other problem today was, we, someone touched on it already, the, the left-hand side of the team. Now, that Samedo, the, the Wolves right back, he, he's not very good. He's a dreadful defender. But he had the easiest afternoon going because all he did was funnel... Walker Peters and Redmond inside, and they, then we the, those players ran into the, the the man mountains in Wolves back three, and it, it was just it, it just made the pitch and the attacking effort so narrow, and and Samedo honestly he's a dreadful defender. He's a little bit like that Sergio who used to play for Tottenham in that you can always rely on him doing something really stupid every game but we didn't we didn't test him I think Walker Peters ran at him once and he just breezed past him but then he of course he had to cut onto his right foot well Gineppo Gineppo caused him loads of problems in the last what 10 10 minutes or so when yeah. however long he was on and he thought well why haven't we been doing this all afternoon yeah this was the thing Steve we talked about um Carl Walker Peters and how Ralph needs to fit him into the team do you think today has proved that Left back is not the role for him. We need a left footed player at left back because yes, there were unless... several times where he got forward and he had to cut into his right. And I think there was a couple of attempted crosses with his his weaker left foot, which didn't beat the man. It, it was a frustrating afternoon for him. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, I mean, I'd like to think that he's working on his weaker foot in training if, if we are going to persist with essentially rotating him and Perro. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that you just got to put people in their best positions. Perro is a left back. We've paid decent money for him. He's been, he's looked absolutely fine in the games that he's played so far. So play him. I mean, come up with a solution for the Walker Peters Livermento um, thing. I mean, I actually thought Livermento had a fairly quiet game today for the most part. By his um, standards, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, one 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 thing I I kind of thought with that was that the pitch seemed to be extraordinarily dry in so much that balls were. Like a couple of times, we he was in space on the right, and we switched the ball out to him, and basically tried to dribble forward, and the ball got stuck under his feet. It looked as if it looked as if like the pitch hadn't been watered properly, and the ball was just stopping. Um, so I don't know whether that was that was actually a thing, but that that's that certainly seemed to be seemed to be my impression. And as a result, he couldn't get a run at anybody. There's not a water shortage as well, is there? We don't know about. We'll have to check that. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we've been saying is that they should both be playing on the right, obviously, Livramento and Carl Walker-Peters. But what are we, six games in now, Dan? It looks like it's not something that's on Ralph's mind, not something that we're going to see anytime soon. It, well, it certainly hasn't appeared to be the case. Every time Ralph's kind of been asked about it or spoken to the media, it very much seems that Tino is his right back and, and that's that. So... Yeah, I I wouldn't rule it out, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if if it doesn't happen. There's got to be something that he he may think that it won't work for whatever reason. Um, Can't be worse this... than what's going on over there at the no, moment. No, and I don't. It, it's difficult. I think I'm I'm kind of reticent to sort of criticize Kyle because he he is playing out of position. Um, it's not 
you know, he's not a left back. It's not, you know, he's going to make mistakes. What do you, what do you expect? So I don't think we should kind of hammer him for that. But to everyone, and look, I mean, we're not Premier League managers. We're not paid to be Premier League managers. We should Sadly. pretend that we know as much as Ralph knows. There's clearly something he does, he sees that suggests that Kyle and Tino can't play on the right side. And, you know, we, we all may think it's a great idea, but there could be something that we're missing that only Premier League managers get. So, yeah, you kind of have to trust his judgment, as puzzling, as puzzling as it may be. We are just kind of mere commentators and, you know, he's the one paid to make the decisions. So... We've still got Stuart Armstrong, of course, to come back into midfield. Um, do you think that might help things, Glenn? Um, well, I can't make things worse from a creativity <laughs> point of there's view. There's a theme here, isn't there? <laughs> well, no, we, we, talk, we, you know, we, we were talking earlier on about a player that runs forward with the ball. Well, that's him. You know, a player that links links up and actually does something creative, gives the ball to the strikers. That's him as well. He's he's by far and away our best player to play in the wide areas and we can't you know he can't get he can't get fit soon enough but it it does sound at the moment like it's uh, you know no one's saying it he's he's close or anything like that so it, you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get by the um the best we can i mean this is why elianusi's sort of like re-emerged as, as an option because he's probably the closest to 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 play in the same way that um that Stuart armstrong does but uh yeah i'm i'm not not over impressed, as I said earlier on. So I'd, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the the real deal being uh, being fit again. Elianusi reminded me a bit of um, was it Fabrice Fernandez, the one that used to like run around in circles with the ball yeah. today. There's a couple of times he got the ball in space, no options, and just like did a couple of circles and then passed it off. So Steve, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that James Ward Prowse hasn't really been the same since he signed that new deal, and it felt like he was a bit off the pace as well today. He was bad today. Yeah, it was. It was not one of his uh, not one of his better performances. And his set pieces, by I think pretty much everyone hit the everyone hit the first man, didn't they? Um yeah. It was not. Yeah, not one of his finest. But at the end of the day, the guys played 101 consecutive 90 minute Premier League matches and all the cup matches. <laughs> yeah, plus cup plus cup games. Uh, the guy must be exhausted. That's, I mean, that that sort that sort of I mean, commitment and sort of longevity. That's got to take a that's got to take its toll eventually. We clearly rushed him back from from whatever niggle he had in pre season, and perhaps that's that's possibly still hampering him. I think at this point, it, it, during the press conference in the build up to the Wolves game, Ralph was asked about um, Prousey, and in his answer, he said that Prousey hasn't been at his best, but there's been he's had to change his diet. He didn't really expand or go into it, but he said he's had to change his diet and he's had a bit of an issue with his stomach, which is why he's not been at his best. Now, as I say, I thought probably important to make that point. However, I don't, I don't know what, what the issue is. And of course it's medical. So it is confidential anyway. Yeah. But I guess if he's got a gastro, gastro Ralph, issue, then yeah, Ralph that said that he's sluggish. changed. He's had to change his diet and he's got an issue with his stomach. So again, I don't think we, we shouldn't really speculate what the issue is, but that's what Ralph has said. So that, that could be a reason as to why the performances, you know, maybe haven't been at the standard. We've kind of come good time. Having just given him a new five year deal on a hundred grand a week. <laughs> <laughs> I had six pints and a curry last night. I've got the same gastro issue. <laughs> but you're, you're not trying to run the midfield. Thankfully. No, no, that, the that, no, we're, we're, not, we're not ready for that. <laughs> you haven't got to carry a football club on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned um, Shane Long being brought on to change the game, which just seems quite strange. <laughs> that, that's generous. Uh, even, uh... <laughs> Ba-boom, tish. <laughs> 
I mean, um, I mean, we we were accusing wolves of wasting time. I think actually we were the we were the worst <laughs> we were the worst uh, exponents there. Do you know what? I get angry when people walk out, and I've never walked out myself. But I wouldn't have blamed a single person for walking out as soon as his number came up. Honestly, there's got to be something going on. So Brozier obviously is the one that we were all expecting to come in, and and we've seen some flashes when he's he's come on against West Ham. You know, he had the opportunities there to win it, but for the first time, Ralph's said publicly, Dan, that he, he questioned some of his, his application and his work rate. Well, he said that prior to the Sheffield United game. And I, I went into that Sheffield United game thinking of all the players he had the most to gain, simply because the strikers hadn't, you know, Shea in particular hasn't scored. I just felt if Brozier can come in after having a couple of good appearances off the bench, score Southampton win, he plays he's plays his way into the, the first team this weekend. Yeah. But again, Steve was there. I thought Brozier didn't look interested whatsoever. He was, uh, yeah, he, was, ba- he was barely involved. He was poor. He just didn't look like he, he could be asked, really. Just didn't look interested. And I think what Ralph said to me after the game was that you know, he wasn't invested. Like I think that that's quite a big thing for a manager to say. And yeah, he basically said like, he's got to learn. You can't let games pass you by like that. And it seems that, you know, Ralph, even prior to that, had said that they've already had to have a, a conversation about kind of work rate and, and stuff like that. So it may be an ongoing thing, but... Has I he, thought, sorry, has he implied something similar about Nathan Teller as well? He hasn't. No, oh, he right. hasn't. There was, there was. I'm sure there was something about that last year. It was normally Michael Obafemi was normally one yeah. that had the kind of not professional. I've not heard that again. I mean, my memory. Every press conference kind of rolled into one last year. My memory may be doing me a disservice, but I don't remember him kind of saying that about Teller. I remember it was always kind of good vibes about Teller. Yeah, I'm just trying to find a reason for bringing Shane Long on ahead of him. I, in, yeah, unless he's but, trying to teach yeah. him a lesson or something. I just, yeah. I just, it's a, that's an absolute bombshell to me. I can't even begin to think Bearing about mind, why Shane Long struggles that to get happened. into the Bournemouth team here, a yeah. championship team. I, I just think, look, I mean, again, look, let's not single out Shane Long isn't the reason Southampton lost today, but you're bringing on a striker who they didn't really need to give a two year contract to 18 months ago to, to win you a game. And I can't remember the last time Shane Long won Southampton a game. So it's not it's not it's not his fault he gets picked. You know, it's not oh, no, no, it's no, not no, Redmond exactly. or Elianusi's fault he gets picked. I just no. I you know, I just I'm curious as to Ralph's thinking yeah. with that substitution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, exactly. We're gonna do extremely well to get anything at Chelsea, so we could be looking at going into October and that uh, international break without a win. After that, it's Leeds, Burnley, Watford, Villa, Norwich, a hugely important run. If we don't get anything next weekend, are people starting to question Ralph at the moment, Glenn? Uh, uh, Eddie Howe's name is another one which keeps popping up when Jesus. you look on Twitter. Jesus, yeah. That's um, the la- I know that's the last thing that we want, but um, you know, this is a manager that, that is under pressure now. If we that run of fixtures that you you mentioned there, if we get through that lot and we still haven't won a game, then I would say most certainly it's going to be looked at. Or it needs to be looked at because then it would be very similar to the for the for some of our older listeners. If you remember back to when we got relegated in two thousand and five, we had a run of winnable fixtures in in sort of October, November. We didn't win any of them, and when Steve Wigley was in charge, I think I think we'd be we'd be Pompey. But other than that, we didn't beat anybody. And from there on in, the season just spiraled out of control because. You know, we played a lot of winnable home games and, and not won them. So, so I mean, a couple of weeks ago, Arsenal had lost all three games. They then played Norwich, 
and that was their their sort of kickstart, and they've they've done all right since. If we play the likes of you know Norwich and Burnley and and don't get any points out of them, then we're in a spot of bother, aren't we? Yeah, well, it's a shame that Norwich isn't at the start of that run actually, but it's it's not going to come to that though, is it, Steve? We'll be all right. I think I'm still okay at the moment. I mean, we've had. Good. I, mean, yeah, I mean, at the end, the end of the day, we've had what one bad game today, and other than that, one bad half away at Everton um, in Premier League games, and other than that, I think we've largely, largely played all right. So I'm not, I'm not hugely concerned in terms of the sort of overall big picture, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we need to get some need to get some goals from somewhere at some point fairly soon. That'd be nice, um, but I'm not expecting that to come next week. No, I thought the lack of lucky waistcoat might have been the issue today, Dan. You said you'd be very surprised if Ralph stepped out wearing a tracksuit, and he did. I know, I, I, I was, I was generally, I, I didn't really notice what he was wearing until I looked kind of ten minutes down, and he was in his tracksuit. So yeah, maybe he should go back to the. Uh, it was really hot. The waistcoat and tie. Yeah, it was hot. I think just touching on what what you said there, Martin. For me, I think you can kind of look at it glass half full or glass half empty at the moment. You can look at it and think, well, we've not won a game. We're not scoring. This is really bad. We're going to go into international break. We're not going to have won a match. Or you can kind of look at it glass half full with, well, we've already played Man United. We've got a good result against them. Man City, no one expected us to get a point there. West Ham, you know, they're a bit of a bogey side. No one expected us to do anything. Newcastle never do well there. Everton always lose there. You know, you can look at it kind of two ways, but I think what today just kind of signaled like if they'd won today, it would have looked like a really good start. Yeah. And Seven now you've got questions of, oh, when are we going to win? And what, I mean, they may win next week against Chelsea. I don't think they will, but they, they, they can do. Then what I think you have now is the pressure will build now. And all of a sudden, the games where you, you know, you play Norwich and you kind of would expect them to win, well, you kind of have to win them now. And the key thing for me this season is that everything that happens this season, in my opinion, is on Ralph. This is Ralph's squad. You know, he's had, this is the squad he wants now. This is everything is on Ralph. It's his systems, his everything. I think he always kind of had that in the background where, well, you know, we've got all these players that I don't really want and it's a problem. Well, that, that's gone now. They've all gone. This is his squad. It's in his vision. He's had everything, you know, that he's not asked for. I'm sure he wanted Robert Lewandowski and wasn't going to get him. But, you know, within reason, he's got what he wants. So he has to make it work. This, for me, he has to make it work. And if he's not making it work, you know, if they're, if they're going into the November international break without a win, then I think you really have to start asking serious questions if you're the, the club's hierarchy. I mean, I don't think it will get to that point because I think they will pick up results when they play the, the, the not so great teams. But I, I don't think you should kind of rule it out and be like, I don't know. I kind of sense that there's a shift now that it's not, whereas before Ralph seemed untouchable, I think, with some supporters. I sense that that's not the case anymore. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of what I what I sense. And today was a really bad day. It was a really bad day for Ralph. Um, and I've just come away from today sort of thinking, what sort of teams are we going to beat? With the with the sort of players we've got and the, the style of play we got, if you forget the forget the big boys for a minute, if you look at the you know the teams that um, are big and physical like Burnley, are we equipped to beat a team like that? I'm not sure. I thought we were better equipped to play those sort of teams last season. I mean Norwich, obviously, there because they're just poor everywhere. But you know the teams that sit deep and defend like Wolves did today, and 
you know, like other mid-table sides sort of tend to do. Could, uh, are we are we set up to sort of unpick teams like that? I'm not sure. In Ralph's defence, like today, for example, you know, they had 18 shots. You know, it's not his fault. I, I find that stat remarkable. I can't remember. 18 how many, shots. 10 how many from sh- outside the area. There were six on target, possibly, or seven on target. How many um, saves the keeper have to make? I don't know that's that glad. Um, I think I'm right in saying that that was the most amount of shots that anybody's had against Wolves this season. So there are some so positives the, so, I mean, there. they are creating chances. Yeah. What Ralph's system is creating chances. Does the players on the pitch aren't scoring? So then is that his fault that they're not scoring? Well, he's doing all he can from a system point of view to create chances. You know, as I said, over the last three home games, their chances... You know, they had more than double the amount of chances today than they did against Man United. You know, Ralph's not on the pitch to score the goals. So it's, I, yeah. I, I just find that staggering. Eighteen shots. I must have been asleep. They had like they must have had like, they had quite a lot of shots. A lot, a lot of a lot of, and, pot sh- lot of pot shots. Yeah, that didn't ten from the outside the area. So, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think um, I think the keepers only made probably one one sort of real proper save, which was the one from Livermento at the near post at the start of the second half. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's about all I can remember. Yeah, I mean, obviously Redmond had that goal. Uh, disallowed for offside nice at the end of the, the first way. half. Good finish, which, yeah. which is a yeah. great finish. But yeah, I mean, other than that, we've not really, not really got in, sort of in behind them at all. No, but Alex McCarthy had very little to do as well. I mean, he had to make a save in the first kind of thirty second, yeah, and then that a, a save at the end. But that was really all he had to do. It's just a rubbish game. So on to Chelsea next Saturday. Um, what have we made to their start of the season, Steve? I mean, they they look impressive, as they should be for a team that costs the best part of three quarters of a billion pounds to put together. I mean, Lukaku is basically the exact answer they were looking for, and he's hit the ground running. So, um, yeah, panic. <laughs> 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 um, given his given his already uh, lucrative record against us, that's um, I I I mean, unless he doesn't play for whatever reason, then I mean, just get him on, get him sort of on your your betting slip for scoring at any time or scoring two scoring a scoring a hat trick who knows because i mean unless unless salasu can match himself up against him and even even then it's still it's still a tough ask cuz i mean lukaku's just an incredible striker yeah, he's world class isn't, isn't he so um so it's it's no no disgrace to be done by a better player like like he like he is but we've got to have a plan for it somehow i mean Christ knows what what we're going to do but um chelsea do look Probably the, the the sort of best all round all round team in the league. Um, City don't have a centre forward. United are, I mean, hilariously prone to just shooting themselves in the foot because they have a PE teacher in charge. And Liverpool just seem a bit weird at the moment. They're they're kind of really good in patches, and then they'll just take their seem seemingly take their eye off the ball. Um, um, they, don't have, they don't have the squad depth, do they? No, they... I mean beyond beyond their first team, they're fairly weak, fairly weak in the backup department. First first team could could easily compete for the title, but they won't keep them all fit for the season. And just for Chelsea next uh, on Saturday, uh, Glenn, who starts for you? Is it a free hit? Is that Chuck Nathan oh, Teller man. in? And... Man, it's a, it's always a it's always a free hit. We play these. I mean, we have actually got a good record against Chelsea, but that Especially was away from home or not? Yeah, because I mean, but last year they had the they, you know they got the German Shane Long up front, didn't they? Last year, and they've as we said, they've replaced him with Lukaku this well, he, year. He still scored twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they've sort of corrected the the sort of glaring weakness they had in their team. Um, which is what you can do when you've got 90-odd million to spend. So I, I don't know. I mean, 
I I would have anticipated us going with the the four two 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 formation because it worked it worked well against them last year. We we may create more than we did today. Um, yeah, I'm still baffled by the eighteen shots thing, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but it's quality of chances, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's, it's easy enough to ping shots in from 20, 25 yards that haven't got hope in hell of scoring. Yeah. I imagine he'll go with the experienced players. I can't see Nathan Teller being thrown in for this game up at Chelsea. So I, I imagine it'll be a similar lineup to what we had against Manchester City and today. Right. Uh, score predictions then. Um, Steve, what do you think? Oh, God. <laughs> it's... Bear, bearing in mind, we were all really negative when we spoke about Man City. So we were talking about threes and fours and fives, weren't we? So I, I, I find it difficult that to believe that we'll be able to keep them at bay. I think City, you can set yourself up in a certain way. And as we saw, you can kind of do it. But Chelsea got Chelsea can hurt you in so many different ways. So I think realistically, 2-0. I, th- I think we'll, we'll kind of run away from that and be reasonably satisfied. Glenn, what would make you happy? 1-0. I'll take 1-0 to Chelsea. Okay. Dan? Uh, I'll go 3-0 Chelsea. Mm, okay. Um, we're obviously back there for the Carabao Cup as well. Lucky um, us. Another away game for you, Dan. Happy about that? At least it's London and not Sheffield. So, yeah. <laughs> a bit closer. Every cloud. We touched on the, the midweek game earlier on, um, but you weren't impressed, Dan, overly with the performance. Not really, no. I No, I thought it was kind of an opportunity missed for a lot of players, minus the ones I've already mentioned. No one did anything memorable. Yeah, I, I just think, I don't know, Sheffield, as I said, Sheffield United made 11 changes and I guess the most interesting thing was probably Lianco. I mean, that was, uh, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on him because it was his, his first game and, and you're going up against McBurney, who was probably told before the game, this this kid's never played in England before. And I think, was it within 10 seconds, Steve, where he went in for 50-50 and got sent flying with McBurney? And you just thought from that moment on, you just knew it was going to be a painful evening for Lianco. Got dispossessed a couple of times. thought on the ball, he looked he looked all right. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. A couple of people have said that to me, but I wasn't so sure. He played that long diagonal pass, which was about 30 yards ahead of where it needed to be. But I think, yeah, at times he looked okay on the ball, but he got, as I said, he got dispossessed. I don't know if he got dispossessed in the build-up to their goal or when they came incredibly close and dragged it just wide of the post. I also noted the fact he was he had a shirt tucked in. I can't Old remember school. the last time seeing a footballer <laughs> with their shirt tucked in, but by the end of it, his shirt was fully untucked. So that kind of summed up his evening. But yeah, Brozier disappointed. Teller really impressed. Diallo thought was really lively. Deserved his goal. You know, that was like his third or fourth shot of the evening. It was such a bad header as well. Yeah, it was. It, it was yeah. the sort of header I'd put in back in back in the day of Sunday League football. Yeah. Just rubbish. But, <laughs> but, but still somehow found the corner. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've penalties, I can't, I'm trying to remember who missed. Brozier missed, summed up his night. He missed. The other penalties were all pretty good. Couple of good saves from Fraser Forster too for the, in yep. the shootout. Yeah, yeah, good saves. So yeah, positive. I don't know what there is to really say about that game. No. To be honest, I mean they they won on penalties and we're still in the hat. We're still in the, in the hat. So that's the main thing for one more game at the least. We've had a few questions this week about the the B team as they call it now, um, the reserves in our day. A few people have been in touch asking our thoughts on the B team and their well, dreadful run of results at the moment. They're in Premier League two for those that don't know, bottom of Division two at the moment. Played five, drawn one, lost four. Their goal difference is minus nine. Uh, they lost in the cup to West Brom. They've lost against Burnley and Fulham. Is that a worry, Glenn, or can they just should we concentrate on the first team? it's not good to see them getting absolutely thrashed. It really isn't. Um, And it doesn't shine a favourable light 
on the academy. You know, we we signed Ollie Lancashire to sort of steady the ship, and it doesn't appear to have done so. It was interesting that you know Dino Sameo and Thierry Small seemingly got pulled out of the the squad for the West Brom game, and they they weren't involved today, which was a which was a bit odd because. That was kind of what I thought would happen, but um, no, it, it's, the academy has not been producing players, um, and obviously the B team is what you, what you would expect to be the the best of the academy, or the the you know the old the older ones that have come through. You know, if you look at the players that left this season, they've all ended up in the championship or lower. So we're it's we're not producing the players that that come through to play in the Premier League at the moment. I mean, who, who was the last one that came through and, and, and played in the Premier League? Nathan I, Teller? Yeah, Nathan Teller. And he, he was signed from Arsenal. Yeah, um, but he was released so, from Arsenal. Yeah, he was, re- you know, he was released from Arsenal when he was about 18, I think. So it's not like we've had him since he was eight years old and he's uh, grown up with a Southampton way and blah, blah, blah. So it, it is a bit of a concern, but, you know, we we talked about Matt Crocker before. It's a... Uh, it's a long-term thing. It's not going to sort of suddenly magically produce players who are who are ready for the Premier League, but it it must be a bit dispiriting being a sort of nineteen, twenty-year-old or whatever coming through, and you're getting absolutely walloped every game. I mean, we've gone down into the lower division, and we're still getting walloped every game. <laughs> it's uh, it's not good. One one point on that is obviously if you, I mean if you look back at the the sort of team that we were lining up with at the start of last season in that B team you'd have had the likes of Callum Slattery, uh, Josh Sims, Jake Hesketh, yeah. um, players who are Nathan Teller, Will Smallbone, yeah, yeah, tell, yeah Teller and, and Smallbone would would have featured fairly Jake heavily Vokins. as well, and so you've got the nucleus there of a of of a team that were very very promising at a young age and I mean some of them kind of fallen by the wayside I saw Slattery scored a scored an absolute belter for Motherwell on Saturday but I mean that's clearly a clearly a much lower level and though most of those players are now playing in League One League Two or or their equivalent in other countries so losing that kind of just a little bit of extra nous and experience I think is has just kind of decimated that team although you do have to kind of question why similar sort of things hasn't happened at the at all of the other clubs we play against. There's been a, a bit of restructuring going on, Dan. They've made it quite clear that they don't want to obstruct the pathway from the B team to the first team. Is it more about that process and players getting used to how um, Ralph wants to play the game? Is, is that the more important thing than, than results or should that come as a result of it? Well, just, just to, add on, to add to the other guys quick, I went to their game against West Brom in the week and brutal. what struck me was you know West Brom turned up and they were massive I mean every player must have been over six foot like they were just huge and Southampton's B team you know they've got players just out of school 16 year olds 17 year olds up against 21 22 year olds Um, I'm not saying that's a reason why they lost but you know I think Dave Horseman said I heard his interview after the game and that the under-23 striker for West Brom was on loan at Grimsby last season and played 30 times. The kid who played up front for Southampton on Wednesday night had just finished school. So that 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 may be some reason behind the, you know, the poor results. But then I'm also of the opinion that, well, what are you developing here? You're developing, yeah, okay, it's great to get everyone playing the same way. I understand that. I understand that the thinking behind that. But 
you're essentially developing players at the moment that are getting that are losing every single week and losing heavily every single week. So that part I find quite puzzling. Like I wonder how how much longer how often can you lose heavily without kind of thinking, well, do we need to make a change or something kind of flawed, or do you just accept it for what it is? And as as Dave Horseman alluded to after the game, that you know it's all about the transition into the first team. I think he made a point to the club when they interviewed him that no one will be able to tell you what Prowse's youth team did or where they finished in the table. And if we produce a player in out of this group in three years' time, no one will tell you that you know where we finished. You just won't talk about that sort of thing. Yeah. And I kind of do do get that point, but then I also still think, well, you are still developing losers. <laughs> You're developing players that are used to losing four nil, five nil. But that, nil, arg- that argument nil. only stacks up if players do come through. And as we said earlier, exactly, yeah. players players are not coming through that are ready that or that you know that are going to play for our first team. I forgot about Will Smallbone actually. I apologise for that because he, um, you know, he he looked like he may be a Premier League player in the making before he got his injury. But um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I just I just don't think it's terribly clever. And and you know, hopefully Dave Horseman's still around to see some of these you know, some of the current crop that he's got actually uh, become Premier League players. You're listening to the Total Saints podcast, going to the heart of all things Saints FC. One of the big stories this week is that Southampton Football Club has announced a new training kit provider. The statement that they released said, Southampton Football Club is delighted to announce LearnCrypto.com as the club's official training kit partner. The free education platform will be the club's training kit provider for both the first team and the B team throughout the 2021-22 season. LearnCrypto.com is a non-profit website funded by the YOLO Group and other like-minded cryptocurrency market leaders, including the club's main club partner, sportsbet.io. It's a non-profit website funded by the YOLO Group. So, responses online ranged from the light-hearted, we've got more kit sponsors than goals this season, to the uh, more concerned um, people suggesting that uh, the club was setting a terrible example to children, um, said one person. I thought we were better than this. So, to tell us more is Joey Derso, who's the investigations writer for football at The Athletic. Hi, Joey. Hi. Uh, thank you for joining us. Is this something that fans should be concerned about? Well, the statement you just read was very, it's a very strange one because it makes it almost sound like a sort of charity. You know, it's a non-profit website. We're about education. What it really is, it's about telling you how great cryptocurrency is. And it says, you know, our mission is a free education platform, but it's very, um, you know, pro cryptocurrency. It says, here are some criticisms of crypto. And then it kind of debunks them. But it's making out like it's sort of, you know, BBC bite size or trying to educate people when actually it's very clearly trying to encourage people to invest in cryptocurrency. There's absolutely no sign on the website anywhere of who's behind it, who's funding it. The answer is YOLO Group, the renamed Coin Gaming Group, which is also behind Sportsbet, which is Hampton's shirt sponsor. So these are all people who want you to buy cryptocurrency, right? They, they, they um, you know, for better or worse, um, want you to do that. But that is not being explained here. That is not open. Um, so I think it is quite concerning, really, because, you know, someone could just watch their favourite Southampton player type in learncrypto.com and be led to believe that this is some sort of educational website when actually it's a PR website. So we all know 
as we have over time, things um, the, the 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 plus points, if you like, and the the downsides to things like gambling, to to drinking, to I, I, maybe cigarettes as well. You know, we're, we're quite educated with these things, so we can make our own informed decisions. Do you think we, as a fan base, need to find out more about the the cryptocurrency, and, and is is that what this is all about? Then we can make our own decisions. Yeah, well, I mean, I just think this isn't a great place to learn it because it's a very biased place. It's telling you how great cryptocurrency is because it wants to sell it from its other other companies. I mean. I'm not by any means telling fans cryptocurrency is evil or you should never do it, but just you should really understand what you're doing. You should be ready to lose all your money. Um, the Financial Conduct Authority says that. It says if you get into cryptocurrency, be prepared to lose all your money. And that doesn't mean, you know, never do it. If you've got a bit of spare money and you want some kind of high risk, high reward investment, great. But I think it needs to be made really clear that that's what this is. And there are people, you know, cryptocurrency is incredibly volatile. It can go up and go down at very short notice. Of course, something like Bitcoin has gone up hugely over the past few years. It's now quite a mainstream thing. And there are all these stories about people who bought £10 worth 10 years ago and it's now worth tens of thousands. You know, that's great. But that doesn't mean it's going to continue that way in future. And aside from Bitcoin, there are all these much more obscure cryptocurrencies that you kind of read about on social media. And there are all sorts of sort of scams and um, funny business going on. So it's something that people really need to understand what they're doing before they get into it. And I'm concerned that a website like this doesn't really provide a balanced picture about the, the risks as well as the potential upsides. Do you think we're more likely to see more stories like this in the Premier League in the near future as the season progresses? Yes, because of the um, gambling review. So it's highly likely that gambling sponsors will be banned from football soon. And it's highly likely that things like this will fill the space. This is not technically gambling. It's not regulated as a gambling product, but it shares many of the same hallmarks of gambling. Um, You know, it's people trying to turn a bit of money into a lot of money. Um, The difference is really, I guess, that conventional football gambling, people kind of understand what that is. Like, you know, if I bet on Southampton to win at the weekend or put on an accumulator, that's quite easy to get your head around. A lot of this stuff is not easy to understand. And there's a risk that you can get sucked into something um, and lose all your money before you've kind of realised what's going on. Another concerning thing is sort of um, foreign exchange contracts for different style finance apps, which are have deals with lots of clubs. And again, it's, it's confusing and it's not called gambling, but it shares a lot of similarities. But in some ways, it's potentially more risky because it's so hard to understand what these things actually are. That's the thing. Is it hard to understand for a reason? Have they deliberately made these kind of things hard for us to understand? Is, is, is that how we get sucked in? Well, I think, you know, it's just inherently volatile, uh, not very well regulated industry. And there's constant coins and deals popping up all over the place. And people tend to be a lot more vocal when they've made lots of money than when they've lost money, because people who have lost money are generally a bit embarrassed about it. But, but yeah, you know, these companies are often not particularly transparent. You know, uh, Sports Bet is a company that I've written about in the past, the sp- sponsor of Southampton. They won't respond to press queries. They're based offshore. Um, you know, they don't respond to basic questions for more information. So yeah, there's a lot of these companies are very secretive. Is there a way that we need to get used to this? Is this something which is going to be around for a long time? Is Do the clubs need to be more open and more honest? Do we need to, as as journalists and media, ask better questions and, and, and tie people down and hold them accountable? Is, is that what it is? Yeah, well, and also I think the financial regulators in the UK need to be doing more. You know, these companies should be required to carry disclaimers. You know, it's quite simple. Just say, if you're advertising cryptocurrency, say you might lose all your money. Um, that's not really a legal requirement at the moment in the way it is with gambling or with um, financial products. You know, the media clearly plays a role too. I also think football clubs, you know, play a role too. In the Southampton statement, it says, whether you're completely new to this, you'll find the resources to do your own research, uh, making out that it's some kind of impartial thing. And it's just not. It's kind of pro-crypto propaganda. So I think people need to be able to see see through that. And, and yeah, just, just be ready to lo- lose all your money is the bottom line. doesn't mean don't ever do it. Just don't put in anything you can't afford to lose. 
which is the same as traditional gambling in a way. Yeah, absolutely. But I suppose this stuff is often marketed as more of an investment. You know, it'll go up and up and up over time with a few dips like the stock market. And we don't really know that. It could all just plummet tomorrow. So, you know, if you want to put in a bit and see what happens, then fair enough. But I certainly wouldn't suggest anyone should put in large sums which they can't afford to lose. So what is it that concerns you the most about these tie-ups, would you say? What's the one thing? Is it just the lack of transparency? Yeah, I suppose my concern is that some, you know, a Southampton fan watches their team training, opens up an app, puts a load of money into something because their football club's endorsed it, so thinks it's legit. And then, you know, this company could just disappear overnight. And, no, you know, it's not regulated by the UK authorities. You know, even if you put on a bet by a UK bookmaker, that, that you know, you have some recourse there by the Gambling Commission. You have some rights. With this kind of stuff, you don't. Our thanks to Joey for explaining a bit more about that. As fans, Steve and Glenn, is this something we should care about or are we more worried about the things that are going on on the pitch? I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, as Joey explained there, I mean, this Learn Crypto website is dressing itself up as some sort of educational portal, but it's very heavily, very clearly biased towards, yes, crypto is brilliant and you should definitely do it. And it's it's obviously operated by the same uh, group that, um, powers sports bet io our primary primary sponsor so yeah it's it's slightly concerning that there i mean it's clearly there's no transparency in in that um setup somebody has gone away and and researched that and and found this out and now we're obviously discussing obviously discussing that but the, um there was nothing mentioned in the um promo um when saints said oh yeah we've got this new uh, this new um training kit uh, sponsor um there was nothing mentioned that there was a link to um sportsbet.io there was nothing saying that um it was promoted it was basically just a promotion so that kind of feels kind of feels a bit dishonest without necessarily being exactly kind of falling falling un, falling under those under those terms it's it doesn't something just doesn't sit quite right with me for that Glenn, you and I were chatting earlier on about how, as fans, we always hark back to the warm, nostalgic days where Draper Tools, local business, would sponsor the the shirt, and that would be yeah. it. You go to the game, you'd see a, a billboard for the local hairdressers or an advert for a local news agents. Um, those days are gone, aren't they? And actually, yes. now it's all about these big money deals. And should we worry about the name on on the shirt? Or I, I just. I just find this slightly against. Do you remember when um, Land of Sports collapsed and we got Sportsbet IO, and it was kind of presented as we're only doing this, getting into bed with a gambling company because we need a sponsor at short notice and they're ready to go, and 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 then we suddenly had a second year with them, and now we're going down this route, which is kind of a bit at odds with what was it Toby Steele when he came on come on a podcast and 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 kind of explain that i i just i i don't particularly like this i don't pretend to understand crypto so i'm not gonna stand here and say it's a dreadful thing um because i don't i don't really understand it i don't get it i don't want to it's about as it's about as far away from where i want to be as possible you know but it 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 doesn't sit terribly well with me. All 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 this all this gambling and and trying to make out that it's it it's a good idea and they they don't care if you lose all your money. And I I just I'm a bit uncomfortable with the club sort of like encouraging people to get involved in things like this, which they are doing by bringing them in as official partners. 
That's fair enough. I think a lot of us would agree on that. Last couple of bits. I promised that I'd do a shout. Kate Sturgis has got in touch on Twitter and asked us to mention a fundraising event that she's organising at St Mary's. Now, this is to support the Southampton neonatal unit. Reggie, her son and Evan are giving back after the unit saved their lives. This is on Friday, the 26th of November. Uh, tickets are £27.50 and there's a raffle going on too. Um, I think we've retweeted the details, but you can always find out more and get in touch. It's Kate Sturgis 10 on Twitter for that. Uh, this week's patrons shouts hi to Colt and Dave and Ed and Phil who are our Matt Letizia tier members and Nick is our Francis Bonani tier member so thank you for your ongoing support. It feels like we've covered a lot this week so I think that's about it for episode 169. My thanks as always to Steve, Glenn and Dan. Thank you chaps. I, apo- I apologise for being too depressing today. <laughs> <laughs> Very in keeping with the day, I think. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you can find out more about becoming a TSP patron. Just check out the website where you can join our Bobby Stokes tier for just £5 a month. Uh, you can also check out all the recent episodes of the Total Saints podcast on our YouTube channel. Uh, so do have a look at that and hit subscribe. Uh, don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening. And if that's on Apple Podcasts, then we'd really appreciate a rating and a review. Uh, you can always get in touch with with us during the week on the socials we are at total saints pod that's on twitter and facebook or you can drop us an email via the website thank you for listening and have a great week TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.